We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Looking to the end zone for the win! He caught it! Ball game! Chiefs to the championship game! That touchdown to Travis Kelsey on the opening drive of overtime capped off one of the most memorable playoff games in NFL history. Here we go again with the perhaps perceived hyperbole. Uh, Good Monday to all of you. Scott Van Pelt will join me here shortly. Um, We will have a conversation about all of these games. I'm going to go through these games in the opening segment game by game and give you my thoughts on each of them. I will start with this. Obviously, this divisional round of the NFL playoffs producing four walk-off wins, three by field goal, the fourth by a touchdown, and the fourth and final game being one of the most exciting NFL playoff games in NFL history. Right, Certainly you would put the final two minutes up there with any game you've ever watched at any point uh, during the season. Um, but this probably is the greatest weekend in the history of the NFL playoffs. The total aggregate number of points um, 15, all right, the four games decided by 15, 15 points. That's the fewest for this round in NFL history, and never before have all four games been decided on walk-off plays. Three field goals in the first three in the touchdown, which, by the way, followed a field goal on the final play of regulation that tied the game up at 36-36 at the end of regulation. I mean, what an amazing final 13 seconds of regulation that was. We will get to all of that here momentarily. The only day um, that is comparable, I think, to yesterday or the two days in aggregate, it was Championship Sunday Uh, following the 2018 season, back in 2019, January of 2019, when you had the Rams beat the Saints in overtime 26-23, 
Um, remember after the egregious interference penalty, the blatant interference penalty uh, that was not called that would have given the Saints the opportunity for a walk-off field goal in regulation. They ended up losing that game to the Rams, and that was followed on that same day later that day with Kansas City's first of four home conference championship games when the Pats and the Chiefs went to overtime in an incredible fourth quarter, by the way, in that game, uh, where the Patri- uh, the Chiefs came back from 10 down to force overtime at 31-31, um, but the Patriots went down the field uh, on the opening drive of overtime. Brady um, got the win uh, over the Chiefs 37-31. I mean, you had that day, you had back-to-back overtime classics on the same day. That's the only day, certainly recently, I can think of that matches what we saw just this weekend. Ironically, you know, the Chiefs complained after that game about the overtime rule. You know, the fact that Mahomes didn't get another opportunity, um, like I'm sure a lot of Buffalo fans are complaining. Now, look, NFL fans are probably complaining about it. I think we all wanted to see Josh Allen get another opportunity. Um, I'm fine with the overtime rule being what it is. Uh, uh, we'll get to, to, to more of that here um, momentarily. For me, you know, the, the greatest start to finish playoff game of all time, um, and I think I still feel that way after last night, uh, was the epic in Miami in January of 1982 when the Chargers outlasted the Dolphins 41-38 to in double overtime in what was truly an amazing game where the Chargers jumped out to a 24 to nothing lead. Miami came back. They ended up taking a, a 38-31 lead late, and then Fouts and company tied the game. The game went to overtime. That, that was the game where Don Strock came in. They threw the hook and ladder at the end of the first half to Tony Nathan. It had so many memorable plays. Kellen Winslow's performance was just incredible. He had 13 catches in the game. He had two blocked kicks on special teams. Um, but certainly last night's Chiefs Bills final two minutes um, is all time. I mean, you know, it's never been matched in a playoff game. 25 points in the final two minutes of regulation is the most ever um, in a playoff game. It's the, it's the uh, second most ever, including any regular season games. Uh, Mahomes and Allen combined to go 15 of 20 for 290 yards and four touchdowns in the final two minutes and in overtime. I tweeted out at one point that, you know, this is going to be one of those games that years down the road you're going to go back and say, God, I want let's go back and watch that Kansas City-Buffalo final two minutes, you know, again. Um, in the same way, for those that never see it, I always say, Go back and watch Hagler and Hearns, the greatest three rounds in succession I've ever seen, and people will, you know, say, "Oh my God, that's un- that that was unbelievable." And if you if you didn't see this years from now, people will say, "No, no, no, you got to go back and watch Chiefs Bills from 2022 in the divisional round. It was amazing." We're you know we get caught up in the recency bias thing. I, I talked about it a few weeks ago with the Raiders and the Chargers game, but that was all time last night. Just like the Raiders Chargers was epic and memorable 
Um, you know, here we are two weeks later with another one. Um, the NFL is amazing, boys and girls. It just never quits. It's the greatest reality show there is. It's single-handedly keeping network television alive. The ratings for the Cowboys-San Francisco game last week, apparently 41.5 million people watched Cowboys 49ers last week. It That was the average. It peaked at 50 million what, how many people were watching this game last night? I mean, I, I, unbelievable um, uh, game. Um, I want to get to all four and rip through thoughts from all four games. Then we'll bring on Scott, and then we'll finish up the show with a couple of other um, things uh, as well. So let's do this. Let's start um, with and go through these games chronologically and start with the first one this weekend, which was Cincinnati and Tennessee, the number one seed facing Evan McPherson and a 52-yard field goal at the gun. Trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC championship. Harris, the snapper. Huber will hold it. 52-yard! Sweeps the leg! That dude, by the way, is eight for eight in the two playoff games. Evan McPherson is that one from 52 yards out. There was never a doubt. And the Bengals beat the Titans, the number one seed, 19 to 16 in the first game, which was tremendous. There was so much to that game. Uh, Let me go through some of my notes from that game. Um, I want to start with Ryan Tannehill. He's the number one reason they lost that game. Tannehill had one exceptional throw in the game. That touchdown throw to A.J. Brown, back shoulder to tie it at 16-16 in the third quarter was a tremendous throw. But my God, did he make some back-breaking, game-killing, season-ending plays in this game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is the reason the Titans are home more than anything else. First play of the game, interception. At 16-6, they drive all the way down the field on the ground on the strength of Derrick Henry and Foreman. And they've got a first and goal at the nine, and they run a first down bubble quick screen. He gets it deflected up into the air and picked off. Then with a chance to get into field goal range with the game tied with 25 seconds left in really good field position, he throws to a receiver that was seemingly covered by like four guys ball gets deflected up into the air intercepted just a horrendous decision three interceptions uh on the day the poor third and one read option keeper where he should have left it with derrick henry that he got got stopped on was a massive play by the uh, you know no no doubt that ryan Tannehill had an awful awful day quarterbacking the number one seed Tennessee Titans on a day where their defense was outstanding. Their running game was really good with Derrick Henry back and with Foreman um, back. Tannehill killed him. Um, In this game, though, um, I have to say that I think when this weekend ended last night, even though the Mahomes and the Josh Allen performances were just all-time I'm not so sure that there was a more impressive performance for me than Joe Burrow's. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times, nine times, 
and yet he still made every play that they needed, every big throw, a huge third down run on their opening third quarter drive that preceded the Mixon touchdown run that gave him a 16-6 to lead. He had a third down run for a first down. He was big-time money all day long. Not one mistake on a day when the opposing defense, Tennessee's defense, would have made – 75, 80% or more of the league's quarterbacks completely fold up shop. What a pass rush Tennessee had. What a cool, smart, calm, demeanored quarterback Joe Burrow was. He had an answer at every turn. I think he made one play in the game that he'd love to have back. Look, I'm not, I haven't done film breakdown, and there may have been of those nine sacks, three or four that he could have avoided. I think there's one that was definitely on him. There was the third down sack he took with just about three minutes to go uh, in a tie game when they were in field goal range. You know, that was a blitz in which, yeah, a couple of the you know rushers did drop off, but the bottom line was they were outnumbered to start. There was a free runner, and with an empty set backfield, the quarterback is responsible for that, and he took a sack, knocked him out of field goal range. He's got to know where to throw hot on that play or to throw it away. He couldn't do it, but that was about it. That was about it. You know, I think he had a delay of game. There was a delay of game early in the game when he got sacked. It would have been a longer field goal. Um, but nine sacks, a relentless, dominant performance by Tennessee at the line of scrimmage, and yet he threw for 348 yards on a day when he was under siege. And the one interception was really a ball that Samaj P. Ryan, remember him, should have caught. Uh, he couldn't handle the throw, deflected, intercepted. His throw to chase after the last Tannehill uh, interception that got him into field goal range was perfect. Uh, his QBR number, and I and I like the ESPN QBR calculation, you know, stat. His QBR number was 28, and I just looked at that after the game, and I'm like, I, I don't know that I can ever trust that ESPN QBR number again. I thought he was so good. And clearly the number one reason uh, from their standpoint that they won the game. Tannehill, obviously the number one reason Tennessee lost. I just thought he was so good, and I thought there was a, a point in the game in which you just saw the trust that they have in Joe Burrow. If you go to the end of the first half, they've got a 9-6 to lead, and they get the ball back from their own 18-yard line, and you know they're going to get the ball to start the second half. 9-6 to lead, their own 18-yard line, a little bit more than a minute left in the game, and he's got him dropping back and throwing. I'm like, no, 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 This is where you don't take the risk. You go to halftime. You start with a three-point lead. You've been sacked five times already. Something bad could happen here. And he delivered a first down on a third and six on a play where they could have run the ball, and Tennessee had no timeouts left, and they would have gotten to halftime. But they had him continue to throw. Now, they didn't get a field goal attempt but what uh, an incredible uh, incredible amount of trust that they showed in this guy because that was high-risk territory, I thought. I just think that there were very few quarterbacks. Certainly we saw several of them this weekend play. But, you know, basically three-quarters of the league yesterday would have never, ever – I mean, I'd go further than that. 
I'd go four-fifths of the league would not have been able to come close to delivering what Joe Burrow did in that game. I thought it was the most impressive performance of the weekend um, other than the combined quarterbacking performance of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes last night. But Burrow was amazing. A couple of other observations from this game. Jeffrey Simmons, I've talked a lot about him over the last couple of years He was one of my favorite players coming out in that draft. Um, I like Derek Brown a lot, too, you know, the Carolina D tackle. I don't know, maybe I've gotten caught up in defensive tackles in particular in recent years because Washington's focused on the position with Payne and Allen, and Allen's a tremendous player, and I think Allen deserved to be one of the top four all-pro players. Jeffrey Simmons was and deserved it. He was... As dominant as you will ever see an interior defensive lineman um, be dominant in a big game. I mean, Aaron Donald is the only one in recent memory that I can remember totally taking over a game the way that Jeffrey Simmons, and by the way, the Tennessee defense did, but led by Jeffrey Simmons. He had three of the nine sacks. It was constant mayhem that he created, and yet Joe Burrow overcame it. His team lost, but it wasn't because of him. God, he was good. Logan Wilson for Cincinnati. What a linebacker he's turned into. You know, second year, third round pick out of Wyoming. The fourth down stop on Derrick Henry. The interception at the very end off the Eli Apple a deflection on the horrible throw uh, by Tannehill. The kicker, McPherson. My God, the game winner, um, of course, from 52 yards out. And how about the fact that they were so confident after the uh, completion by Burrow to Chase that, you know, 52, 50, 54 yards, it didn't matter. They were in range. They felt great about it. That literally Burrow, in moving the ball to the right, the correct hash for McPherson, took a two yard loss to make it an even longer field goal from 52 yards, not even a concern. And he knocked it right through. I thought the field goal that he kicked in the first half with a minute 40 to go in a, in a six to six game that made it 9-6 to six from 54 yards out was a huge play in the game. A miss, and all of a sudden, Tennessee's got field position, and maybe they go into the break with a halftime lead. Um, McPherson was tremendous. Um, two other quick uh, notes from this game. I thought that the Tennessee two-point conversion was fine that they attempted it in a 6-6 game in the first half after there was a penalty that advanced the ball to the one-yard line for the attempt, especially since they looked pretty good on that drive and Henry looked uh, pretty good on that drive. I thought Derrick Henry could have easily stuck the ball out and and had it break the plane um, before his knee touched down. He didn't ever reach the ball out. It was strange. Um, He got hit at the one-yard line. He went down with the ball cradled in his arm about, uh, I don't know, uh, six inches short of the goal line, and all he had to do was reach it out. Who cares if it gets knocked out of your hands? It's a two-point conversion. Yeah, they could pick it up and return it theoretically, um, but that's you're not going to lose possession of the ball. Uh, I thought that he could have easily gotten that two-point conversion if he had just stuck the ball out. And the last thing from this game, I didn't think that the Amani Hooker interception off the deflection, uh, off of the dropped ball um, from Samaje Pirine, I thought the ball hit the ground simultaneously with the catch. And listening to Gene Steratore, who I think does a pretty decent job, you've got to. He said you got to. You got to have it before. 
it touches the ground, that if it touches simultaneously, it, it's incomplete. I thought they were going to come back with that as incomplete. But anyway, hell of a game to start Saturday. 1916 Cincinnati. Um, game stayed under. I leaned under. I didn't give it out as a smell test pick. I was pissed. 0-3 smell test this weekend with the two unders from yesterday, which both looked under until late uh, craziness. Um, and, and I had Tampa, too. Uh, and um, and the leans were the two unders on Saturday and uh, and Kansas City. So um, just bad luck this year. We still have two weekends left. Uh, but what a hell of a game that was. All right, let's go to Green Bay, San Francisco. Here's Robbie Gold on for the upset. Wow. Uh, I never, ever in watching that game Saturday thought San Francisco was going to win the game. And that's really my biggest takeaway from the game. This was a game that I never thought until the third and 11, you know, deep shot that Rodgers took when he had a receiver open in the mid-range for a first down and he took the deep shot to Devontae Adams. I never thought for a moment that San Francisco would win this game. All I was hoping for was for the game to stay under, and it was safely under at that point. Um, I just I can't believe that Green Bay lost a game in which San Francisco had negative 15 yards of total offense on their first four drives of the game, and at halftime had zero points and 43 total yards of offense. I can't believe Green Bay lost a game in which Jimmy Garoppolo only threw one interception, a bad one at the end of the first half, but had no less than three to four passes that looked like pick sixes and should have been pick sixes. I mean, how many throws did he make where you're like, oh my God, no, and somehow, fortunately, it fell incomplete or somehow got caught. Um, So... I think after the opening drive that Green Bay had in this game, right down the field, 7-0, and then they get the stop. They get a, a sack on that second drive. You know, they're dominating a little bit up front. Um, San Francisco goes three and out uh, after the third down uh, and long sack of Garoppolo, and here comes Green Bay again. You know, they start in, in, in at their own 25, and here they come. They're at the San Francisco 42-yard line. They're motoring to what appears to be like a 14-0 lead, and already you've got this sense that, yeah, Green Bay's going to win this game easily. And then Mercedes Lewis fumbles after a catch, and it's recovered by San Francisco. And even though the 49ers generated nothing on their next drive, um, clearly, that 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 changed the game in the moment because Green Bay never, never generated much offense the rest of the game except for the one drive that that ended in field goal. I mean, the, the Green Bay after their first two drives, three and out punt, three and out punt, six and out punt, and then at the end of the first half they had that incredible throw. From Rodgers to you know uh, Aaron Jones after he got loose on the right side for 75 yards, and then you had a sack, you had a spike, and you had a, a blocked field goal to end the half. And you know, other than that, they had the you know the one field goal drive, and that was you know it was a decent drive, 
um, for them. But, you know, he took a big sack on third down. I mean, look, if you only score 10 points in a playoff game and you're Aaron Rodgers and you're the Green Bay Packers and you're the, you know, you're playing at home as the one seed um, and the opponent's Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, San Francisco's got a great defense, don't get me wrong. But when you only score 10 points, it's kind of on you. The special teams hurt them. Block punt, touchdown, block field goal, three points off the board. Truth is, 13 points probably would have done it. Probably would have been fine in this game. Um, When they had a chance at the very end on that final third down and 11, he did have a receiver open and took the deep shot to Adams to try to let Adams make a play, but it wasn't the right read. And then, amazingly, and to his credit, Jimmy Garoppolo delivered with the game on the line. He had not delivered at all. This is a team that won a playoff game on the road without scoring an offensive touchdown, with only scoring two offensive field goals. Uh, And they won the game, but it was on that last drive. I know he had the big drop by Kittle early, which would have been a big play for him. But first and 10 after the third and 11 in the punt with 320 left, Kittle over the middle, quick release, perfect throw, 12 yards. Then on a second and six, he's got Debo Samuel for 14 yards. And then they're running the ball. And that Samuel, uh, that Debo Samuel nine-yard run on third and seven at the Green Bay 38 with a minute three to go. I mean, if not, it's a much longer field goal for Robbie Gold. And then they set it up for the game winner. Amazing. Amazing that Green Bay season ended the way it did. I did not see that coming at any point. Um, Garoppolo deserves some credit. That final drive was very similar to what he's done previously in big spots. Jimmy Garoppolo can look like a backup quarterback in the NFL at times, but he has come through big time in the clutch. They're not in the playoffs if it wasn't for his 88-yard drive against the Rams in the season finale down 24-17 with no timeouts left. 88-yard drive, no timeouts in a minute and a half to tie that game. And then in overtime, you know, getting um, – you know, getting the uh, the interception uh, on, on uh, I'm sorry, starting overtime and driving 12 plays, 80 yards or whatever it was, and getting a field goal for the lead. He did it against Cincinnati in overtime. He did it against Tennessee to tie the game late. He had an unbelievable drive against the Seahawks uh, late in the game that tied it. Um, or that had a chance to tie it at the end of the game. It was like a 98-yard drive, and it just barely fell short but he made one big play after the other. I mean, I Jimmy Garoppolo would not be my guy. I'm not about to suggest that. And I think he's propped up very much by one of the true special offensive coaches and schemes and running attacks and a great defense and the whole thing. Um, but he, uh, you know, we've had this conversation before. I think he's better than most people think. I don't think he's the answer for Washington, okay, um, but he is he's delivered in some big time clutch moments. And even though you could argue that, you know, the only reason Dallas had a chance to win was because of Garoppolo, true. 
um, the, that he got very fortunate in the Green Bay game that he didn't have more than one interception and maybe a pick six or two. True. I mean, but when the game was on the line at the end, he delivered two of his 11 completions in the game, and they were big ones. I mean, this dude was 11 of 19 for 131 yards, got sacked four times, threw at least five balls that were turnover-worthy balls, had an 11.9 QBR in the game. Back to the QBR for a moment. Um, he did have a couple dropped. Kittle dropped one early. You know, Jennings kind of dropped one on a big third down early. Um, but uh, without Debo Samuel, without Robbie Gold, without Nick Bosa and Armstead, and without really, you know, a couple of big special teams mistakes by Green Bay, San Francisco's home and Green Bay's moving on. It is one of those amazing things about, you know, the one-and-done format is just everything is magnified. And then all of a sudden, you're in good shape, and then just the season ends like that. I mean, it was amazing to watch Rodgers and to see the shock um, I think the Rodgers legacy conversation and anybody saying that Aaron Rodgers, and I, I saw a lot of it on Twitter from a lot of you who are Washington fans saying, all right, look, I, I don't I don't want Rodgers. You're out of your mind if you don't want Rodgers because of that game. You know, Aaron Rodgers is now 12-10 and 10 as a playoff quarterback and has only gone to one Super Bowl and it was 12 years ago and won it and hasn't been back since. You know, he's lost in plenty of NFC title games, you know, some wild ones. Um, He's lost some playoff games in crazy fashion after playing great, you know, after throwing the Hail Mary in the Arizona game, losing to Seattle with the onside kick. Um, you know, Tampa last year after they went for the field goal. This is really the only bad playoff loss I think he's ever had. You know, it's the only it, – they were favored yesterday or Saturday night by six, five and a half, six. They were eight-point favorites against the Giants in the year after the Super Bowl when they lost at home 37-20. to 20. That was an unexpected result. Um, The Giants that day were great on defense. Eli Manning had one of the best playoff games of his career. Um, And Rodgers took a pounding that day from the Giant defense. Um, But really, most of the losses he's had in the playoffs have been soul-crushing losses that weren't his fault. He gets a lot of the blame, though, for Saturday night. Ten points isn't enough. But if you don't think that I would trade two ones and two twos and give him a, a, a contract for a lot of money for the next two to four, you know, for four years and include Deron Payne in the deal, you're nuts. I would do that in a heartbeat. It's not going to happen. He's not coming here. But some of you on the quarterback conversation, whew, wow. Let's go to Sunday. 30 yards to win the game. Yes. That was Matt Gay with the game winner from 30 yards out to win it 30 to 27 after a blown 24 point lead. But it was the other Matt Stafford who was great in this game. 
He was so good in this game. I was so happy for him and Sean, as I, I'm always happy for Sean. And most of you know I've been a Stafford guy all along, even though I admit that I did not like the Rams' chances. I like Tampa in this game. I, I didn't think that Stafford had played that well recently, which is true. You know, they, they just seemed a little bit off. But, man, in the biggest game of his career, actually Monday night was a lot of pressure on him. But certainly in another big spot, I mean, he just came out rolling. Um, he was awesome in the first half. You know, if Cam Akers doesn't fumble at the end of the first half, it might be 27 to three at a halftime. But they built that lead to 27 to three. And then just craziness. I mean, just one unbelievable, you know, play after another. Cooper Cup fumbles. You know, and now all of a sudden it's 27-13. And then you get the um, snap that goes way over Stafford's head after the forced fumble that Von Miller had on Brady. And now here comes Tampa, but they don't clo- they, they're not able to score. Uh, when Evans gets hit uh, by Weddle, but it's after the play on the 4th and 14. And then amazingly, Matt Gay, one of the best kickers in the league, misses from 47 yards out short. Short from 47 yards out. And then here comes Tampa. They get stopped again. They didn't score to make it 27-20 to until there were 3 minutes, 20 seconds left in the game, and it was on a 55-yard bomb to Evans. And then came the Cam Akers fumble. One first down away. And maybe even if he doesn't get the first down, a punt, and then it's going to be, you know, Tampa with the ball with a minute 20 or minute 15 to go and no timeouts. But instead, they get the short field. They tie it up at 27-27. By the way, Chris Collinsworth, I mean, Mr. You know, owner of Pro Football Focus, Mr. Always bringing in analytics and, and numbers. He struggles with the numbers, man. I mean, he's done this a lot, but... When the Rams had the ball up 27 to 20, um, and the Patriots were out of timeouts at that point, you know, with 3:15 left, he didn't understand that the Rams could snap it twice, run it twice, and then run their third play after the two-minute warning. He said, "You know, the the Buccaneers can still get the ball back with two minutes to go." You know, even if they run it three times, no, 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 no. They were going to – a second down run. The Akers run that he fumbled on, that play, if he doesn't fumble, that ball that, – that clock goes down to the two-minute warning and they're running a third down and like three or four from their own 27-yard line or whatever. Um, and they would have run the ball, I think. I don't know. Maybe McVay would have let Stafford roll out and either run it or throw a nice easy throw for a first down if they had it on a bootleg. But if they run it, then you're going to punt, and the Buccaneers are going to get the ball back um, with like a minute, you know, call it a minute 15, somewhere around there, minute 10, depending on how long the third down play and how long the punt, you know, was. And, you know, they would have had to go the distance with no timeouts um, in that spot. Um, But the fumble, great play by Sue. um, And then the incredible answer from Matt Stafford against – a corner slot blitz, zero coverage blitz, and he throws it to where you have to throw it against zero coverage. You got your best receiver in man coverage, and he's got two steps, and he puts it in a perfect spot. Look, the throw before that to Cup was huge, and I thought that the throw uh, before that was a massive play um, in that 
um, Cup got out of bounds. Because if Cup didn't get out of bounds on that first throw on the second 11 after the first down sack, which, by the way, Stafford fumbled, although I think the knee, uh, the knee was down. He recovered it anyway. But if Cup doesn't get out of bounds on that play, well, now you got to get a spike, which would have come with you know roughly 15 seconds, and the ball would have been at their 44. You could still get something down the middle of the field, but Gay at that point needed more, you know, needed closer than 47 yards. He had been short from 47 in the same direction. But I thought Cup getting out of bounds was massive. And then the next play, the bomb to uh, to Cup uh, versus the Blitz. You know, Bowles. I love Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. And if he had gotten home on that Blitz and had sacked. Um, you know, Stafford, and the ball had come out, and somehow they got it and they win by a field goal. You know, there's so much praising of, or so much criticism of too much risk taken defensively and too much criticism of co- sort of the prevent stuff that you saw in the Buffalo game. Um, but Stafford came through. And as I've said for many years about Stafford, I've always felt like he is a franchise quarterback, that he is a you know, a top 10-ish kind of quarterback, you know, on a really good team, well-coached team. I don't I don't put him in the class of Rodgers or Brady, you know, in recent years, or Wilson, you know, or Mahomes or Allen, you know, um, or I, I don't. But I think he's always been, always even in Detroit, in that next group. He's a, you know, and, and when we used to talk about him versus Cousins, I've always liked Stafford more than Cousins. I think Stafford's more of a baller. I think Stafford's more of a creator. Um, and he just needed a, a team and a good coach and a good organization. And he's one game away from participating in a Super Bowl in his first year in a real organization. Uh, and he came through. You know, it's interesting. I didn't think he – I thought he played great Monday night against the Cardinals. But I think that was more about what the Cardinals um, were on Monday night. They were a mess. And up 27-3, to three, up 27-6, to six, if the game ends up being 27-13, to 13, you know, you're like, wow, the Rams dominated. Aaron Donald was phenomenal. Jalen Ramsey was phenomenal. They were great, the Rams were. And by the way, the, the replacement for Whitworth was outstanding. And, and the Bucs were, you know, the Bucs were banged up in this one. But um, – it, it's almost like the, the New England comeback gave Stafford this moment, you know, which, you know, adds to him getting to the conference championship game because he was so good in this game. And he was not anywhere near at fault for the blown lead. Cup fumbled, Akers fumbled, um, snap way over his head, kicker misses a 47 yard field goal short. You know, I know in the second half they weren't as productive, but they weren't as productive because they had three turnovers, you know, and they missed a field goal. You know, in the game, the Rams only punted in the football game. Um, how many times did they punt? Hecker punted. All right, he punted four times. But still, uh, Stafford, 28-38, 366 yards, two touchdowns in the big throw, the two big throws to Cup to get him in field goal range for the game winner, 30-27. to 27. You know, that game, I was rooting for the under the whole game. And then once uh, Tampa Bay came back, I was rooting for Tampa Bay to win in cover because I gave them out a smell test pick. I wanted to get one of the two. Um, but I was not upset that Stafford and McVay are moving on. Um, I'm happy for Matt Stafford. You know, I think they're 
I think there are lots of quarterbacks that are really good quarterbacks that have just been in bad situations. And I think I've always felt like the, you know, the, the quarterback win loss stat is just not nearly as important as I think some of you do. I think some of you understand it. I'm not saying that, you know, um, you know, the, the greatest quarterbacks elevate their teams to victory. There's a lot of that. Matt Stafford is not an elite quarterback, but he's a very good quarterback, and he's been that for a while. Now we get to the last game, uh, and this um, was the field goal that forced overtime. 49 yards to send it to overtime. Harrison Butker. I'm so nervous. So uh, Hundreds of thousands around the planet. The kick is good! It's going to overtime! How did the Chiefs get into field goal range in 13 seconds? Harrison Butker didn't have to kick a 59-yarder or a 64-yarder to tie the game. He kicked a 49-yard field goal. 49-yard field goals for Harrison Butker? I mean, that's... You know, uh, what is that, 80%? It's got to be in the 8 out of 10 range uh, for him. Even though he did, in this game, miss a field goal and also miss an extra point uh, in the game. Uh, An amazing ending, an amazing final two minutes. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about the game before that because it was a really good football game. You know, it wasn't a classic but it was a really good football game. One of the interesting things about this game is how fast-moving this game was. This game was incredibly quick. This game's first half was going to end in about an hour and five minutes until you know the Chiefs, you know, until they got a touchdown on the Buffalo Drive um, in the final two minutes of the first half, and then Kansas City, um, you know, responded with a drive that got into range where Butker actually missed a fifty-yard field goal at the end of the first half. But the reason the game was so fast moving, and by the way, the reason the under fifty-four looked pretty good, is <clears throat> that. The opening drive, I mean, the ball was never hitting the ground. Neither quarterback was throwing incomplete passes. And then they were, you know, having long drives. Buffalo started 13-play, 71-yard drive, 6 minutes, 57 seconds. They went for two fourth downs, including the fourth and goal. Touchdown by Singletary, 7-0. Here comes Kansas City back. 11 plays, 74 yards, and a drive that took 5 minutes and 37 seconds. So basically the first quarter was over with two drives for all intents and purposes. You know, then you actually had some punts in there with teams that hadn't punted a whole lot. I mean, Buffalo didn't punt once in seven offensive drives, seven touchdowns against the Patriots in the wild card round. Um, But it was... Uh, it was incredible, too, that both quarterbacks were doing it with their legs in the first half. The two touchdown drives on the drives that made it 7-7, I mean, it was Josh Allen's legs and Patrick Mahomes' legs that basically moved the chains and created the opportunities. I mean, one of the amazing things about the final box score of this game is the produced yardage by both of them. Josh Allen, 329 yards and 68 yards rushing. He was their leading rusher, 11 carries, 68 yards. And by the way, these aren't scrambles. You know, Buffalo uses Josh Allen in a lot of the same ways that Norv Turner and other used Cam Newton. 
They use them on power quarterback sweeps. They use them on quarterback counters. They use them on design runs. And by the way, not all the design runs are option runs. I mean, 11 carries 68 yards for this load of a dude. And meantime, Mahomes had 69 yards rushing on seven carries. Most of his scramble version. He had that 34-yard run on the opening drive and then had another one that moved the chains. Amazing. Let's move to the second half. You know, the third quarter is flying along, too. You know, you get a a long eight-minute drive by Kansas City to start the third quarter that ends in a field goal. Um, then you get another long drive, and McCall Hardman scores on. I, I thought he was, I, I thought he was penned in and stopped, and then somehow with his speed, the speed on Kansas City with Hill and Hardman in particular is just unbelievable. And then Butker misses the extra point, but it's twenty three fourteen, and then that was it for Buffalo. Like this dinking and dunking and running, and you know the whole thing. It ends with the seventy five yard bomb from Allen to Davis, and it's twenty three twenty one. And then we get the frantic final two minutes. With the Chiefs, by the way, being held on that drive that led to a field goal, 26-21. By the way, on that um, that drive, when they were third and one at the Buffalo eight-yard line, something like that, when they went with Blake Bell under center in that read option, I mean, look, I think almost all of the stuff that Kansas City does, more of it pays off than doesn't. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize their creativity but it's third and one. You got Mahomes. Why are you bringing in Blake Bell to run the read option and he pitches it to McKinnon? And Jackson, by the way, made a great play on that to stop him for a four-yard loss. That held him to a field goal. Kept Buffalo in a 26-21 game instead of being down 30-21 to midway through the fourth quarter. That was huge. And then the drive that was forever. They basically could have, and it looked like they were on the verge of taking it down the field and running the clock out and winning the game on a walk-off touchdown. But little did we know what was in store after this. 17 plays, 75 yards. It included so many Josh Allen runs, designed and otherwise. The fourth and four, where he's flush from the pocket and it looks like he's going to get sacked with about two and a half minutes to go, and he scrambles for the first down, was an incredible play. And then it sets up, you know, they get to a, th- uh, a second and 10 at the Kansas City 34, and they run Allen on a designed run for four yards. When he got up from that run, I noticed that he was exhausted. He had been running all day, and they had run him like five times already on this drive, both designed and his scrambles. And if you go back and you watch what happened, on the next play, it was third down and six, two minutes and 30 seconds to go. And Allen, to me, looked exhausted. And he drops back and he just immediately dumps it down to Singletary. And Singletary gets blown up for a six, seven yard loss. And that sets up fourth down and 13. He didn't look downfield. I don't think it was a screen. I think it was the check down throw. It could have been a screen. I'd have to go back and look at it again. The bottom line was, after that completion, which was for a big loss that set up fourth and 13, which they obviously had to get, the clock went down to the two-minute warning. And I think having that break at the two-minute warning was huge for Allen. I thought he looked exhausted, as great as he had been. And on fourth and 13, 
Gabe Davis is wide open for a 27-yard touchdown catch. Amazing. But even more amazing was the two-point conversion where he extends, he extends, he extends. I don't know how he extended it the way he extended it. And then the throw he made to Diggs for the three-point lead. Unbelievable. And it's 29-26. to But that was obviously just the beginning. Here come the Chiefs back. And it's second and 10 with a minute to go. And then he hits Tyreek Hill. And Hill... I mean, the most dangerous person in the NFL, I think, with the ball in his hands. Although I think I, I, I think Jamar Chase might be close. And there he goes down the sideline, and he taunts before he got into the end zone. That was not flagged. He's flashing the peace sign. He got fined for this earlier this year. They didn't throw the flag, even though there's been an emphasis on taunting all year long. I hate that rule, the emphasis on taunting, but it's amazing. They didn't throw the flag, and from what I understand, it would have been from the spot of the uh, the infraction. It would not have been a touchdown. doesn't mean that they wouldn't have scored after a 15-yard penalty. They would have been still down there close enough. And then here comes on the response, a minute two left, and here comes Buffalo down the field. One throw after another, and then the touchdown throw to Davis with 13 seconds to go that gives Buffalo the lead, and Western New York is celebrating big time. So, 13 seconds to go. Nance said it. Jim Nance said it. Um, I tweeted it out. You cannot kick this ball into the end zone and give them the ball at the 25 with 13 seconds left. You've got to kick it down there and force a return. First of all, I was surprised that Kansas City had Pringle down there, not Hill or Hardman. Um, but uh, the kick into the end zone was a big mistake. 13 seconds, Mahomes, Hill, that group, three timeouts left. You know, it's three snaps potentially. You can't allow that. Um, now, it ended up being two snaps. Um, but, you know, you could have, it, it, depending on how the plays were run, it could have been potentially three three offensive snaps um, before a Hail Mary or before, you know, a long kick. Anyway, big mistake not to squib it down there. I'm not suggesting to squib it short. I'm talking about one, I'm talking about one of those punch kicks that hits at around the 20-yard line, bounces down to the 15, is picked up, and some clock burns. And you have to kick it to that area because the returner can't have the option of falling down and giving himself up so that the clock immediately stops. He's not going to do that at the 15-yard line or the 10-yard line. 13 seconds left, 25-yard line after the kick out of the end zone, which is a mistake. That first play is a really good play by Kansas City. Soft coverage. You're playing, you know, that that cloud shell in the in the in the 15-yard area, and they're playing, I think, two deep, three deep behind that. And they throw the quick ball to Hill. He explodes vertically up the field, no zigging and zagging, gets as much as he can he can get. Timeout. N- they get 19 yards on that play in five seconds. There are eight seconds left. The ball's at the 44-yard line. And then everybody's talking about, well, what do you need? How far can Butker kick it? You know, can you get a 10-yard completion to their 45-yard line roughly to make it a 62-63 yarder? He's got that kind of a leg. And somehow Mahomes finds Kelsey 
in a big open space on a throw for 25 yards. I, I can't explain that one. I don't know how he got open. The linebacker looked like he looked with Mahomes' eyes to the side of the, the, the field that Hill was on. Um, but it's Kelsey. It's Kelsey. And he had wide open space for an easy 25-yard pitch catch. You know, when he hit the ground, he gave himself up, and they called timeout. There were three seconds left. They basically, in two plays, got 44 yards in 10 seconds. That's amazing. Butker comes on, kicks it. And then you get to the overtime, and look, I am not one of those that's going to sit here and tell you that I need a rule to change so that that this never happens again, that you never leave Josh Allen on the sideline without a chance to respond. You had the rule change, you know, whatever it was 10 years ago now. These games used to end on field goals. They they couldn't. I To be honest with you, back then I had a problem with the rule change then. I liked sudden death. Um, but the kickers have gotten to the point where, you know, you only have to go from, say, your own 25 to the other team's 40 now. So you really only need 35 yards before you get a field goal attempt. The, the legs of these kickers, the indoor arenas, the it, it, you had to, to create a situation where a field goal on an opening drive didn't end it. And they changed that rule. And now you need a touchdown to end it. And, you know, the Patriots did it to the, Chief, did it to the Chiefs a few years ago, and they the Chiefs wanted the rule changed. Now they won the toss. They go down the field, they score, and... Of course, I would have loved to have seen Josh Allen gotten the ball back, but I would have loved to have seen him gotten the ball back after they forced a field goal. I was hoping that Kelsey had one of those feet out of bounds when we saw the replay, but it was still only going to be second and goal. They still probably would have scored. I mean, the only thing that I will tell you is this. If they're going to change the overtime rule, just play a 15-minute overtime or a 12-minute overtime. I don't want to see a 10-minute overtime. I've, I've made my feelings clear about the regular season overtime rule. I don't think it should be 10 minutes. I think it should be 15 minutes. And the reason, simply put, is if you get a seven-and-a-half-minute drive and you kick a field goal and the game doesn't end, the other team doesn't have ample time to win the game with a normal drive. You know, they did it for safety reasons because they don't want these games going on a long time. But most games, you know, end before 10 minutes is up anyway. But r- play a, whole, a full 15-minute overtime, and whatever happens, happens. You know, if one team scores 14 points and the other team scores 10, so be it. But play real football on a real field with real special teams, no gimmicks, no college rule. I hate it. It's stupid, especially with the dumb two-point thing after the first two overtimes. But if it stays this way, I'm fine with this too. Buffalo, it's not about, you know, get a stop because really at that point, I don't know if anybody was capable of stopping the other. I think the coin toss actually in this game had a lot to do with the outcome. But, sorry, these are the rules. They, should, they shouldn't have given up, you know, they shouldn't have given up 44 yards on two plays in 10 seconds at the end of regulation. But, um, I mean, I'm open to a new rule, but to me the only answer is to just play a full period. And then if you're still tied, you go to a second overtime. You know, play a 12-minute overtime. You know, six-minute drives are, you know, if somebody gets a six-minute drive that ends in a touchdown, you've got six minutes to answer. You throw a two-minute warning in there, you give everybody an ample number of timeouts, and you play an extra period. Now, safety reasons are the reasons that they have avoided that. So I think you're going to end up with this forever. Um, 
massive, massive turn uh, of events after the touchdown pass to Davis that made it 36-33. An incredible ending. One of the most exciting finishes to an NFL postseason game. The most incredible final two minutes of a postseason game I have ever seen. Um, I Again, I don't know that it's the greatest start-to-finish playoff game of all time. I think Miami Chargers, January of 1982, is that for me. But this one will not be forgotten. 25 points over the final two minutes and in overtime uh, is just incredible um, with the way uh, that ended. Uh, 25 uh, points, by the way, in the final two minutes of regulation, excuse me, the most ever in the postseason. Um, And the two quarterbacks were just exceptional. Josh Allen was great. Mahomes was great. Their combined 707 passing yards and seven touchdowns with their also combined 137 rushing yards is just something I don't know if we'll ever see. And yet, Mahomes is going to face Burrow, and the last time they met, they combined for 705 yards passing and six touchdowns. My initial blush on these two championship games Kansas City minus seven um, in the first one. The Rams minus three and a half in the second one. I kind of like the AFC underdog Cincinnati, and I really do not have a feel for the NFC championship game. I definitely like the under in the AFC title game, whatever it is. Um, I think it is 54, 53 and a half. Both of those games yesterday were within seconds of staying under. 26-21, that was under 54, and Buffalo had to convert the 4th and 13. If they didn't, that would have stayed under. And at 27-13, even at 27-20, it was under in the other game at 48, and Akers fumbles, um, and it gets wild at the end. What a great weekend of football. Scott Van Pelt will join me next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Also, rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify. That's a big help as well. Uh, as mentioned, Scott Van Pelt is with us on this Monday following one of the most incredible weekends of NFL postseason football um, we've ever seen. Uh, I just went through each of the four games um, and talked about each of the four. I wanted you to come on because there's so much from this to just have the conversation by myself. Um, what did you think? I mean, I think anybody, Kevin, and Stanford Steve and I will do this later today, anybody who does a podcast will be doing some version of this, just this sort of shaking your head, laughing out loud, and trying to figure out sort of where this fits <clears throat> fits in all time with what we've ever ever seen. And you and I have had this conversation a lot. We're not great at having context in the moment, you know, whether you want to call it recency bias, prisoner of the moment, how, whatever. But if you if we just push back and, and try to be reasonable, or, or let's say let's say we put on really really sort of skeptical glasses and got the sharpest pencil to grade what we just saw, at minimum, you had three consecutive road teams win on field goals at the gun, followed by a team who tied the game in 13 seconds on a field goal at the gun and subsequently won it in overtime. So at minimum, that's what you had. But when you frame it with who, who beat who, how, when, you, when the last game that was the most anticipated game of the weekend was uh, the Chiefs and the Bills, and then it was that, I don't. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that there's there's just never been a divisional round that 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 was at that level of of play and of drama. Uh, and what Allen and Mahomes did, I mean, my God, I saw a stat of, of like Allen. I think went went sixty four for eighty two for nine hundred and seventy yards, nine touchdowns, ran for a one thirty four, and 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 in his home, going to play, and isn't going to play. I mean, it, he was. Let's, let's, let's just take him. He was so good. And, and the last two times that he touched the football, he, he, on fourth and 13, threw that ball to Gabe Davis, who was unstoppable for a touchdown. And then in, in a minute, after a couple fourth, another fourth down, like runs, another touchdown with 13 seconds. And like, it wasn't enough. And, and I don't, I don't know what you do with that if you're a Bills fan. I don't know what you do with that if you're Josh Allen, because the guy on the other side isn't going anywhere. You know, it's, it's. Uh, Ryan Clark made the point on my show last night because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of basketball players that, you know, didn't win titles because they were around when when Jordan was. There's a lot of I'll put it in my you know frame of reference. A lot of golfers out there that would have done a lot more winning in majors if they weren't you know in the same era as Tiger Woods. 
Um, and maybe that's just what Mahomes is going to be, is this, this obstacle that there's no kind of getting over. But I, I, I just couldn't believe what uh, that, that it, it was just relentless. It wouldn't stop being incredible. I saw your tweet about what when's the next game kick or is there another game? You just, you just didn't want it to stop, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mentioned that I don't think in, you know, you and I, um, I, I, I remember like you do a lot of these games and a lot of these weekends. The I don't think there's ever been a divisional round like the four games this weekend like we had. I mean, there isn't. I mean, it, you know, the aggregate 15-point, you know, uh, margin of difference is the closest, closest or the fewest it's ever been. We had all four games end on the final play of the game with a score. You know, three field goals, and then we had a field goal that ended regulation, and then a touchdown that ended a game in overtime. The championship Sunday from a few years ago when the Patriots, you know, won in overtime at Arrowhead in Mahomes' first championship game, which followed, remember, the controversial Rams win on the non-call, um, also, right. you know, in overtime. We had the back-to-back championship overtime games. That was one of the greatest, in the greatest championship um, Sunday of all time. Who knows? Maybe we'll get that this weekend, but it was incredible. By the way, ironically, and I mentioned this in the open, you know, after that game, the Chiefs complained about the overtime rule. You know, they thought they wanted Mahomes to get another shot. I will get to that here momentarily, but yeah, it was incredible. Like, the the final two minutes, we've never seen anything like that. And the whole recency bias, like, I just two weeks ago after the Raiders-Chargers season finale – I said, I, I hate when I do this, but this will be one of the most memorable regular season games of all time. I can tell you that right now that I'm never going to forget this Raiders-Chargers game and everything that it had to it. The Herbert drives that forced overtime and then the, the whole context of, you know, if they both tie, they both go, um, et cetera. And then here we are two weeks later and we have this one. I don't think, well, I, I know this. I, I've never seen a final two minutes of a playoff game like that in history. I don't think, though, start to finish, it's the greatest playoff game I've ever seen. I've always felt that the Chargers-Dolphins game in January of 82 that went from 24-0 Chargers to 38-31 Dolphins to overtime to, you know, in the heat in the Orange Bowl, double overtime, you know, the incredible performance by Kellen Winslow who blocked two field goals in addition to having, you know, 13 catches. I think that's the great to start to finish postseason game, but we'll never see a final two minutes like we saw last night, or we never have up until this no, point. I, right. I mean, it's we, it's unlikely uh, to, to think that you'd see that. It was funny. I was talking to my wife today, and, I, and she said, I, "Yeah, I." When, she said, "When when my family group text starts, when, when my mom's like, who's watching this game?' It's like you're, it's like you're." your cue that we're, maybe you're missing something. So she says, I'm rewinding it. I'm trying to figure out, wait, it's 20, it's 26, 21. Like the final was 42, 36. I mean, just, <laughs> there's no way that that can happen. And, but again, that's where Josh Allen, what he did is just, is preposterous. After the two minute warning, he gave him the lead, then Tyreek Hill, then him, then the 13 second thing. And look, there's, there's, you know, that's the place where I think you can really point out where Buffalo tactically made errors it just uh, whether you kick it in a way that forces them 
to, to field it and, and bleed clock, whether you do that thing where you tackle their guys off the line of scrimmage, which costs you five yards and would have run some time. Um, you can only do that once, but there's things they could have done, or you could have just stopped them. You could have just not allowed them to get like 50 yards in two plays, um, which set up Butker. Uh, because then you put yourself in a spot where if you lose the toss, then you can lose the game, and they did. Um, and it's crushing. It's just, you know, and, and I'm sure this will shock your listeners, you know. You know who I thought of was, was Gravis against Michigan State? <laughs> um, because if you go back and you look at that, like the last, I think the last six shots he took in that game he made, and that was where Maryland erased an, like an 18-point deficit to state in a, in a tournament game. And the last two shots he took gave Maryland the lead. Um, and then, of course, they lost at the buzzer, and it's just it's over. Um, different here, but I, I just mean that, that when excellence was required, Josh Allen delivered absolute brilliance. And, um, and you know, if you're Buffalo, I mean, as, as bitterly disappointed as, as you have to be, I would think today you just kind of smile and think, all right, well, that's our guy. We got that dude, which means, again, we're going to have to deal with Mahomes. Okay, so be it. But we got that guy, which means we're going to have a chance. Um, but my God, what Mahomes is able to do, um, you know, how they, how they got down there, um, you know, then there's the overtime question. I, 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 you and I, I think we both hate college overtime. We've covered this before. I, I think just put 10 minutes on the clock. You don't want to play 15, fine. Um, but put 10 minutes on the clock and say, we're going to play 10 minutes and whoever's ahead at the end of that wins the game. Yeah, that's funny because I don't think we've had – well, I'm sure we've had these conversations before, but that's what – I mean, I'm I'm fine with the rule being where it is. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm, I think, not, I'm not anti that either because it's like yeah. if you just to real quickly, stop, stop them in 13 seconds, okay? Yeah. Let's start, let's start there. Don't don't give up don't give up that much yardage that easily and, and surrender the lead in 13 seconds. Don't don't do that. But then you know the overtime you have a chance to stop them. Um, don't give up a touchdown. There's that there's that also. I just I'm not I'm not averse to the idea that that you ought to have a, an opportunity to answer that, um, particularly in a game like that yesterday because then. It just would have been more fun because now we get to see Allen go try to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all right, let's see if he could have length of the field and tie him up. I bet he could have. Yeah, the funny thing, uh, look, every every game is different, and most games do not get determined by touchdown on the opening drive. Most overtimes don't. In fact, before the, the we came to this rule where a field goal could end it on the opening drive, the fact was, you know, it was less than 50% of the time that the team that won the toss won the game on the opening drive. And yet we, you know, we, we upgraded in part because, you know, field goal kickers started kicking longer kicks, which meant you only had to travel a short you know uh, amount of of space and you know ending it on a field goal it, it it really is now unfair going into that overtime though last night i certainly felt in the moment that the team that won the the the, the coin toss was more likely than not going to win the game with a touchdown with the way we had just witnessed the last 2 minutes but what i was going to say to you is i don't have a problem with the current rule right now um but that I and I've, I maybe we have talked about this and maybe I got it from you. I don't know, uh, but I my only um, my only solution would be let's play fifteen minutes. Let's play twelve minutes. I don't like ten personally. Just like I don't like ten in the regular season because you can have an you can have a seven and a half eight minute drive 
and score a touchdown, and then the other team doesn't actually have the same kind of opportunity. If the idea is to create, you well, know, tough shit, then, then, then don't let them go in a seven and a half minute try. Well, but but the I, point. I, well, then then I, then, I, then, I, then I, don't I, change I, the rule in general. Just stop them from scoring well, a touchdown. But then, then it, well, but then it creates the strategy of, of ball possession and, and clock bleeding. I mean, it creates. I, I've I've seen the objection that well that got it second would have an advantage because they know what they needed to do. Okay, well, cool. Then, then, you, then the strategy would be to defer. You win the overtime toss, well, I'm going to defer because then I know what I need to do. And then if you got a touchdown, then I would use all four downs to try to match you. So, fine, it just brings more strategy in. Or it can stay the way it is. Like it, I'm not troubled by it, uh, really. Um, it, it's not a field goal, which... which Particularly now, I mean, just look at the, look at the the, the level of, of kicking. Yeah, well, that's the, the that's why kick. that's why you had to move on from that. And this was right, a, this was a good. Guys don't miss now. Yeah, this was a good change, and you've got too more too many indoor you know environments and guys kicking from sixty. Bottom line is, uh, uh, whatever they can keep it the same way, I'm fine with that. If they went to let's play 15 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever and whatever it is at the end of it, of course that brings in the whole safety thing, which is why they move the 15 back to 10 in the regular season. But just whatever you do, don't go to the college rules because that to me, and I this is a very subjective thing and a lot of people love it, I hate it. I hate it especially the way they've changed it now to this two-point you know, conversion after the second overtime. But we saw Real football, you know, you see, and you continue to see real football rather than gimmicky football. Um, but that was incredible. That was incredible, and I and I was so hoping Kelsey, you know, didn't get both feet in because I wanted to see a stop and a field goal attempt, and I wanted to see Josh Allen back with the ball. Sure, and and again, guaranteeing at least the opportunity to possess it would have seemed more equitable in a game like that. Uh, because whoever lost the toss, particularly if it was Buffalo, given the way their defense had to be out there as much because the scoring happened so quickly, and then they were the last ones on the field. Uh, you know, At some point, the adrenaline and the, and the emotion had to take some kind of a toll, and the fact that you're up against that offense that stresses you the way they do. Uh, yeah, it would have felt better. And you're right, the, the, the college overtime, there are people that like it. It's exciting, um, sure, but as I've said uh, often, uh, Football is a timed game on a 100-yard field, and then you get to college overtime, and it is neither. Um, it's a 25-yard field. There's no clock. It's stupidity. Um, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a football game. They'd never do that in the NFL. Never. They'd never reduce 75 yards of the field and, and, and eliminate a clock. And the whole two-point thing this year was – I'm convinced that people, people – because people don't – people hear, like, the rule changes, but they don't, like, they don't really digest them. And then that Illinois-Penn State game oh, yeah. happened, and people, people were just laughing, like, wait, this is really what you're doing? <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, so clearly that would never happen. But, it, look, talking about what should or what might or whatever, none of, all these things are, you know, are hypotheticals. What, what actually happened this weekend uh, and, and the fa- is nuts. And what happened yesterday at the end takes – the whole Tampa game. We haven't. We. I mean, we could. I'm going but I mean, to. That game was. That, okay. Well, that that game was was nuts, and I'm happy for. I know Matthew Stafford, and, and I like him, and I'm and I'm glad they didn't lose because it would have been like, well, Stafford, and this is where whole court, like so quarterback stats is a thing, right? So Josh Allen got a loss in that playoff game. Sure, that makes sense. Hang that on him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, okay. You want to put you want to put a loss next to Josh Allen's name? Yes. Fine. That's. 
Well, I, I, look, I, I've gotten into it with so many people over the years about Matt Stafford, and I, we don't, I don't understand, Sheehan, your love for Matt Stafford. Do you understand what his record is? And I'm like, just stop. Yeah. And the irony of that, of course, is that going into this game, I didn't think that they were on the same page. I didn't think that he had been playing that well, and I didn't like their chances. That was the one game that on Friday I'm like, I'd be kind of surprised. I wouldn't be surprised with any result or shocked, but I, I, I just don't uh, – there's something a little bit off with the Rams. Like even Monday night I thought that was more about the Cardinals, but I am so happy for for him. I wanted to just stick with those something that you said for a moment because you know it's like the all politics is local thing um about the gravest reference um the Corey Lucius shot which I think for the two of us it it, it may be the most devastating you know sports rooting moment of our lifetime it's right up there anyway um mm-hmm. when um you know a beloved player like Gravis Vasquez had scored 14 of the team's final 16 points they had taken the lead and they were about to go on to the sweet 16 with a chance at a final four run um in his final game and then all of a sudden Corey Lucius and we know what had to happen. Tom Izzo calls timeout. They don't acknowledge it. You know, the ball whizzes by Draymond Green's, you know, head. Um, and Del Corey, Von Rowe. Uh, Del Von Rowe. And, um, and, Dray- and, and Corey Lucius catches it and throws in a three. Why are you doing this? Stop, I don't know. Just stop. But, but, stop, but, stop, but, stop but, but what it is, is it's a really good, the fine, it, it's what Madden used to say all the time. Like he would say, it's the finality of it all. You know, it's like, yeah. it's what makes sports the greatest reality show especially this time of year because like look the the Packers game on Saturday night not one for one second until the third and 11 deep shot that Rodgers threw did I think Green Bay was going to lose that game it just wasn't a game that it seemed like they were going to lose. It was a weird game. You know, the weather had turned bad, but they're just, you know, the 49ers had blocked a field goal. They had blocked a punt. I mean, Garoppolo had thrown like seven pick sixes that didn't get pick sixed, and it just seemed like there was no way. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And I saw it, by the way, in my son, Corbin, who, as you know, is a massive Aaron Rodgers and Packers fan. He was devastated. And it's just for Bills fans, last night, after he threw that touchdown pass with 13 seconds to go, yeah. to lose that game was just one of the mo- – that that will be, I don't know, Norwood wide right or 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 last night 13 se- gone in 13 seconds. I mean, for a Bills fan, it'll be tough. Yeah, I mean – I, and the Norwood thing was was longer ago than than we remember it in our minds. You know, there's 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 a lot of people that that, that don't remember it, and certainly don't remember it as clearly uh, because it didn't happen yesterday. Um, but you're right about the Green Bay thing too, because that was even after that. And, and have you ever seen a punt get blocked like that? Like it was just one so hand. it was so unusual. Yeah, well, not that. Just not where not one person on the field had any idea where the ball was. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and, true. and then when he, when when it finally landed, and and, they, and you know what, it was interesting. It's it was only on about the five or seven or eight whatever yard line, but in the snow with it spinning around, who knows what way, they needed to pick that up and score because I don't know if they would have gotten a touchdown if they did. Right, and so, and so the fact that they were able to tie it on the play uh, was crazy. And then to your point, where you just think, well, Rogers will figure it out. See, I didn't. I didn't think that because the Packers have the Packers have had a whole lot of losing games that you just don't necessarily know how they have, particularly at Lambeau. 
And this isn't just on Rogers. It happened under Favre, where, um, I mean, it, how do they how do they have none since the since 2010? Which, by the way, was the last time that the both ones lost at home in the divisional round. And they were one of the teams that went on the road and won. They went down to Atlanta and beat the crap out of the Falcons. But since then, they, they haven't been to a Super Bowl. Which is, if you'd have bet money on that day that Rodgers, you know, 12 years later, it wouldn't have been to another Super Bowl. You'd have won all the money in the world. Um, but it just speaks to how difficult it is to win games, how thin the margin is between these teams, as was evidenced from Cincinnati and, and uh, Nashville on Saturday afternoon through last night in Arrowhead. Just there's, there's, there's very little difference between these teams um, and, the, and the competitive sort of want to that exists in, in teams like Tampa Bay, even down 14, where it just it felt like for every opportunity the Rams were trying to give them, Tampa just wasn't capable of taking it yesterday until three and a half minutes left. And all of a sudden they're like, oh boy, right? You know, and Evans gets the one, then Akers fumbles, and you're thinking, holy shit, they're going to lose this game. Um, and then Stafford makes a great throw. And Tim Hasselbeck made an interesting point with me on SportsCenter. He said, listen, you know, Stafford has to make the throw. And he gets blasted by Sue coming right up the middle. But if you go zero, it, it, it eliminates any thinking from a quarterback's mind. Right. He just knows. Yeah. He knows He knows. I got one guy. I know who it is. By the way, he's the best receiver in the NFL this year, or at least the most prolific. And you just make the throw because you don't have to read. If you drop eight, now I got to read. I got to read. I got to figure out where I'm going. And that, there's no read. It's just, it's there goes Cup. I'm going to take a shot, but I'm going to, fine, so be it. And he, he made the throw. Um but I mean, if had they lost, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do with that either. Because losing a fourteen point lead like that, then you got to lose. Then you got to look at all the strategy. Fourteen point it, lead, twenty four point lead. Well, you're right. No, no, I'm talking about fourteen. Yeah, late. And a half yeah, to go. but it, but it was twenty seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it was twenty. I understand. I understand. But I mean, look, when it's when it's Brady, it doesn't take a lot to bring up the twenty eight three at the uh, at the Super Bowl. Um, but people forget about every little thing that had to happen in that game for for for, the, for it to go wrong for Atlanta. But it all did. Um, I don't know. I mean, just again from from every single game on the snow and Lambeau and and, and Rogers getting knocked out and the you know the glee people seem to take with Rogers because of his you know his his vaccine stances this year and all of the sort of you know thinking out loud that he's done. I. I I don't. I don't enjoy the way people want to dance on guys. What you know, because of. I mean, there's plenty of people, athletes that have taken stances through the years that that might have been, others might have disagreed with. But now there's this sort of celebratory part of it that's just. I don't know. I find it. I find it just not unnecessary. Is not the right word. Uh, no, I maybe I, it's just I, because I. I'm with I just. You. I just focus on the. I just focus on the games and whatever. I, I guess I get it. You know, Rogers is. You know, he's done a lot of thinking out loud, which I, I find it interesting. I find he's, he's let us in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. I, so I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I'm laughing, and I laughed much of the morning on the radio at the various people that suggested that, you know, on Twitter um, after Saturday night, well, you know, let's not go Rodgers, you know, as Washington fans. I'm like, are you, are you guys insane I mean, I would give up three ones in Chase Young tomorrow for Aaron Rodgers in a new contract. I mean, you guys wait, are wait, 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 people, people. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, there there are people that dumb. Do. There are people that dumb. Honestly, after the game on Saturday night, that wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, but 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 I want to I want to mention something real quickly. You back to the the play to cup in the Tampa Rams game. You know, Bowles is getting crushed for you know a corner slot. You know, zero coverage blitz. You know, play there. And at the same time, Buffalo is getting crushed for playing it too soft at the end. And, you know, like Coach Thompson used to say, and I, I love quoting him because he gave me a lot of, of, of things to think about over the many years. I was, I was bitching one day on radio about, you know, what I usually bitch about was somebody's clock management and somebody calling a timeout at the wrong time. And he just came in and he said, motherfucker, if you were in the middle of this game, he's like, your balls would be so tight. You'd forget everything. And I just, yeah. and I just started laughing and I go, well, I don't think I would, but I, I understand what you're saying. And it's like, you know, unless you're in the arena and you're in the mix of all of that that's going on, you really don't know. Um, now, some things I think are obvious, but in the case of Bowles, like if he gets home on Stafford and he sacks him and there's a fumble and all of a sudden they're here like, oh my God, that's the way you want to go down. You want to go down aggressively. And I've always thought, you know, go down aggressively, make him. I hate prevent, you know, and I don't know how Kelsey got wide open there. That was insane. The first play to, to Tyreek Hill is a beauty because he gets 19 yards in five seconds. And yet, but they were playing so deep in that cloud coverage underneath and then, you know, the, the, the cover too deep. And it's like, I, that, would, that was a pretty tricky play. That was a pretty clever play. The next one, I don't know how Kelsey gets open, but, you know, it's not like Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are, are dummies. You know, I mean, somebody may have made a mistake on the field. I mean, a player may have played the coverage incorrectly. But um, yeah. uh, on the well, book, yeah, in go the ahead. Case, in the Bucks case, Arians alluded to it. I mean, you saw Levante David didn't blitz. Yeah, he did. He, he didn't blitz, and and so there was confusion, and that speaks to something I talked about last week with Dallas. And you know, people destroy McCarthy. And McCarthy invites plenty of it. Yeah, he does. With clock management. He does. doesn't do a great doesn't do doesn't do a great job with that. And if you want to point out the, the mistakes that, that that were made in game or up to the last seconds, fine. But and I said this to Steve. I said I've never in my life run a two minute drill, and I've certainly never been on the field in the playoff game with fourteen seconds left and no timeouts. And I, and I said it, it, it gets completely foobar out there, doesn't he? Goes, oh God. No one knows what's going on because you're—it's happening in real time, and you're—you are in the arena, and you're—you're you're trying to process this all in real time. And I think the best teams have had it drilled into their heads exactly what to do. You know, the situation calls for this, and we execute the plays. But now it's happening, and now we're out here in real time. And now all of a sudden, oh shit! They just got 19 yards on Tyreek Hill, and we got to worry about him because if you get him running across the field sideways, we already saw he could score from anywhere. So I get that, that they stress you and make you maybe vulnerable in, in ways that other teams might not. And again, Hasselback I thought showed a pretty good job the way that they, uh, the way the Chiefs set up that play to Kelsey, where they had a they had a grouping on the right that occupied the, the middle linebacker where he was kind of leaning left, which opened up that gap. No, but I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how that you get that many yards that quickly. Um, again, which, which opens the door for Butker to, it's a 49 yarder, you know, which be, has become 
think about what McPherson did from the Bengals. I mean, he hit none of those were easy field goals, oh. and he hit them all like they were nothing. Nothing. And it's funny, Kevin. I go back, and then Matt Gay was short goal. from forty-seven. Which I, that's the weirdest thing that happened this weekend yeah. from a kicking standpoint. Like how'd that happen? But I was just going to say, I go back to a time we had a kicker win an MVP, which in retrospect is just hysterical. But bless his heart, as good as Mosley was, with nineteen socks on and a, and, and a square toe boot, like the the idea that he was going to trot out there from forty nine and hit it, no, it didn't feel like it feels now. It's a layup for these dudes. Um, you know, Butker actually missing one was 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 kind of a headline. You know, when he hit the he hit the post before halftime. Um, so, I mean, you just you didn't you didn't even entertain the thought that he might miss, and he didn't. And yeah, I I, the the funny thing about Mosley is he actually was the guy in the league that had the strongest leg. You know, he could actually really b- bust it. Just I I, I but I, I I understand the point. Um, also on Mike McCarthy, I, look, I'm not. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to minimize what we can do as hardcore fans in analyzing some of the things coaches do and say that it's all irrelevant because we've never played the game, we've never been in the arena. And but but with that said, it is true we're not in the game, we're not in the arena, and there's craziness going on, and there's all this. But the thing about McCarthy, and there have been a few others over the years, is they're not even able to explain the mistakes that happen because I don't think they understand them. Like McCarthy to me is the perfect example of the guy when, when he's asked about it, it's like, no, you can really tell he has no idea why what happened should have happened the other way or whatever. But, but I digress. Um, it's just, it's just it's, it isn't happening in a TV screen for them. It is. It, no, it, of course it, it's, not. They're not on the couch. It's but, happening on a hundred yard field in, in real time with 22 enormous human beings running around, all of whom are, trying to, to figure it out. So yeah. I just, I, I think, I think that's where coach Thompson's, uh, uh, is probably well, is probably spot on for for almost every single one of us, whether we're talking or listening. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I'm just going to tell it to you real quickly. This was it just reminded me of it. So I was coaching a game I don't know ten years ago, and um, my it was one of those situations where we were up two, and the other team had no timeouts left, and we had one free throw with like a second to go. And so I wanted my guy to miss the free throw, but I didn't know. I called, I, I, I go to the, the table and I said, I have one timeout left, right? And they said, yeah, you have one timeout left. So I called the timeout and I brought the team over and I said to this kid, Owen, who is, uh, by the way, one of the best, I think he's the best rugby player, one of the best rugby players in the country for um, Wisconsin. Um, and he was a good athlete as like an eighth grader and ninth grader. And I said, Owen, I need you to miss this free throw. It's got to hit the rim. Um, and I explained to everybody why, you know, I didn't want them to be able to throw the ball in bounds, et cetera. And so as they were going back out on the floor, the, the scores table says, uh, you don't have any timeouts left. That's a technical foul. And I said, excuse me? And they said, you don't have any left. I said, yeah, but you, you just said I had them left. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, they, they hit two free throws to tie it on the technical foul shot. Now I need my kid to make it. He misses it. 
We go to overtime. We did win the game, but I'm telling the story on the air, and this was Coach Thompson's response. I walk out into the bullpen at the end of the show, and he goes, motherfucker, he goes, how many timeouts do you have in a game? And and I said, I think it's four. He said, in an eighth grade game, you called four timeouts? (laughs) He goes, are you crazy, boy? He goes, what's wrong with you? And I just was laughing so hard. He goes, in eighth grade game, you used all four of your timeouts. Oh, it was hysterical. But um, anyway, uh, where were we? So count to four. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be making fun of my <laughs> Exactly. How about that? Yeah, especially given that I actually called five, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, you used five timeouts in a game with eight great kids. Right. There you go. Um, but anyway, and then he's like, "Where's?" and he said something like, where's your assistant coach keeping track of your timeouts? And I said, he didn't post. It's eighth grade basketball go. game. All right, give me the performance of the weekend that you were most impressed with because we could easily say the two quarterbacks from last night and wouldn't be wrong. But was there another one? No, it's the it's the big fella for the for the Titans, Simmons. Oh my God, is Jeffrey Simmons a beast? Yeah, and you knew it this year on oh, a number yeah. of occasions. The game at the game at L.A. Um, where he was just an absolute wrecking ball, where they beat the Rams and. Um, but but in this game, he, it just he he seemed he seemed to be and there's a lot of there's a lot of good you know defenders and, and scheme wreckers and all that in the league. But he just he just seemed singular. He seemed like he was some sort of other being, uh, unblockable. And I mean, they sacked a man nine times and lost because Tannehill had such a rough day um, in, in particular. But I, I felt like I felt like outside of Allen. And Mahomes, who's side by side, I don't know how you differentiate between the two. Uh, he's the guy that, that I think was the the singular performance, wasn't he? Um, I mentioned Simmons. I, I thought Simmons. I've been a Simmons fan since Mississippi State. That team had so many good defensive players. It was such a great defense. Montez Sweat was on that defense. Um, yep. uh, what's his face? The safety for the Raiders. Um, who makes a lot of big plays and may, and misses a lot of plays. I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, but whatever. Um, I, I, I've loved Simmons since he got into the league, and I thought he was going to be great, and he was phenomenal, and he was dominant. But I actually think because he was sacked nine times and yet it made every single big play, I thought Joe Burrow was fucking great. And here's the other part of this, too, because you and I get into this whole, you know, analytics conversation and whatever, teach your own. I like lots of information, but I'm not going to be beholden to any of it. The, his QBR for the game, the ESPN QBR, was 28.2. It's always a number I look at because I actually like that stat. But the fact that Joe Burrow had only a 28.2 QBR from that game makes me never want to look at that again. Because I thought he was brilliant in that game, and I thought he made every smart decision. I think there was one sack he took with about two and a half to go against, you know, against in an empty set, unblocked. You know, the quarterback we all we know all know as football fans, the quarterback is responsible for the unblocked unblocked uh, rusher in an empty set, and he took the sack out of field goal range. I thought that was the only play of the day that he made that wasn't really good. So Burrow, for me, outside of the the Allen and the Mahomes performances last night, I just thought Burrow was great. 
Well, he was, and it, and it speaks to sort of. I, I talk about the same thing with him all the time, and he's he's maybe as good an example as there is. I I always speak about competitive arrogance, which I really I find it appealing when it's when it's because you've done it right. Yeah. And you know, there's sometimes you see a competitive arrogance from a player, and you think, well, I don't really get where that's coming from. Uh, you, you haven't necessarily done anything to, to kind of walk around that way. Burrow, Burrow has. What's funny is Ryan Clark said when he got to LSU from Ohio State, he was he was that guy before 19, and everybody down there was like, "What is this dude doing? You know, who do you think you are?" He kind of always knew what he thought he was, and then he's he's shown it. Um, like the throw he made to Chase that got him close enough to win the game was 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 just the poise in the in the face of it was considering how often he'd already been sacked. I agree, and and that's why. You know, I think maybe the way we talk about it can make it seem like we're anti, you know, information, which I don't think, I don't, I know neither one of us are. I just, I have a hard time when, like, whether it's like the PFF number or a QBR is, will suggest that somebody was terrible when if you watched it, you realize that no, actually, you know, they won the game in part because this guy who's ranking QBR was as low as it was, um, was as good as he was when he had to be, right? Uh, you can win games a lot of different ways, uh, and you know Cincinnati demonstrated that. I I don't know. It feels like a hell of a hill to climb for them to go into Kansas City and, and, and deal with this. That team's played four straight at home, right? They played four straight home AFC Championship games. The other teams have never been there, so the value of being familiar with what everything's going to feel like all week long, uh, and then what it's going to feel like once the game starts. I mean, it. it seems like that has to be a massive advantage for Kansas City over 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 Cincinnati who whether you admit it or not you've already taken huge steps you know you've you've won two playoff games you hadn't won one in 31 years you've already won two so you know I'm sure Joe Burrow's not going to say house money but I mean if if we're being honest for Cincinnati no matter what happens on Sunday they've already taken the steps forward everyone wanted them to take yeah, I give him a chance, um, but but we'll get we'll get to that in a moment. I, I'm I forget if you and I talked about this or not, but we certainly didn't do it on the podcast, so we'll do it here. Corbin and Ryan and I were in a group text a week ago. Whenever um, Burrow and and Allen were playing, they said the wild card weekend, and I just said Burrow, Herbert, or Allen. You get your choice. And I actually then said yesterday, as Alan was lighting it up, should we put Mahomes into that conversation too? You only get one of the four. But they're both like, no, 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 it's Mahomes. But I'll ask you, Burrow, Herbert, or Allen, you get one of them right now for your franchise. Well, whoever picks third still wins. Of course, right? yes. But if you're at, I think it's Allen. Um I think it's Allen, and I think it's Allen because he has the one extra dimension, which is it's fourth and two, and he can just roll right. And even if everything breaks down, he still can get you a first down. I think he has more ways to impact the game. Um, and once he gets running downhill, and it doesn't take a lot for him to be running downhill, um, then good luck. And And so, again, whoever picks third, and I presume you, the, the third person would probably end up getting uh, Burrow because I think Herbert. It, look at what he did in that, in that in that Raider game, which was their last game, which feels like it was 300 years ago. Uh, 
But I, I'd say Allen because of what I just said. Who would you take? Uh, well, a week ago, uh, Corvin and I both took Burrow, um, and I think Ryan took Allen. Um, and after yesterday, I, th- I think I'd rethink it, but I think I'd still take Burrow. I think Burrow is the one. You know, the, what I kept going back to is I've watched Allen. Like, I love Allen. Don't get me wrong. But he's played some horrendous games. Like, there have been you some know, the, games the, the, that have been the, the horrendous. The game was really bad. And they, they, were, they were weird down the stretch. They weren't really great I know. against Atlanta. And they weren't really great against Buffalo. But let me tell you what. When they put 60 on the clock against New England, they didn't ever kick the ball. And he was <laughs> as good yesterday as you could be. So, yeah, I know. Uh, you can't go I, wrong. Not, you can't go wrong. I'm not worried about the Atlanta and the Jet game. I'm worried about when, when it mattered the most. I, and and this, this could be me being, a, 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 you know, the dreaded prisoner of the moment. But. I, I just, for the reasons I explained, I, I like Allen. Um, Aaron Rodgers will play for fill-in-the-blank next year. What am I, a wizard? <laughs> I mean, not the Green Bay Packers. Really? Why? Yeah. Why? I'm just trying to. I don't. Know, I'm just trying to be controversial. Well, I mean, why, do you podcast. do you believe that? No, not necessarily. I, no, I, I think what happens. And Gary Williams has talked about this through the years. He, he said you just you don't want to ever make decisions in the in the in the aftermath of, of an emotional game that ends your year, whether it's something great or something negative, just because your emotions are are, are way too involved. And, and so after you lose like that, and everybody's looking around going, "My God, how'd this happen?" You know, I, I saw a lot of people on Saturday saying, "After this year, where the." They really mended fences, and everybody was on the same page, and nobody thought that that this was the last year. Now I don't know. Well, that that's silly. Um, let's not let let's not let that cloud our judgment here. They do have a lot of a lot of decisions to make, and they got some tricky things to sort out from a cap perspective. Right. Um, that would be the question. Uh, and and you know, do they sit? They they've transitioned before. Uh, you know, they, I mean. My God, they went from Favre to Rogers, and amazingly enough, they, you know, they don't have as many titles as you would have thought you'd have for having Hall of Famers back to back like that. Um, but but they've transitioned before, and maybe maybe Green Bay will look at it and think we could we could try to make the you know the next chapter here and go out and get something crazy. Um, I, I just it's it's just. I don't know who'd be willing to step up. I mean, I remember Denver. I mean, Denver's been trying to figure out the quarterback position forever. Um, you know, that that might make it a, a, be an appealing destination for Rogers. But I, I haven't, I haven't the slightest idea. I mean, I, I, uh, I'd be just yeah. guessing. Pittsburgh's got the cap space. Um, Denver, uh, Washington's got the cap space. I mean. You know, I don't think he's coming here. Um, by the way, I, I did want to mention as it relates to Aaron Rodgers, I do think much of the hasn't been able to get it done and all these losses at Lambeau, it's a little bit unfair. The game that they lost Saturday night was really the, – the, the first year – I went back and looked all this up You know, earlier this morning. The first year after the Super Bowl, they lost to the Giants at home – all right, um, as as eight point uh, favorites, but every other loss they've had in the playoffs until yesterday, they were they were an underdog in those games. Um, well, no, they weren't an underdog in the NFC Championship game last year. I'm sorry, they were a, sh- a very you know short favorite, two and a half three point favorite last year, but still. You know, that's it's Brady, it's the Bucks. I none of his losses were as bad as the loss 
on Saturday night based on point spread or even kind of perception because it was Garoppolo. You know, they lost to a team that had won a Super Bowl in the Giants, you know, that year, and they lost to um, and they lost to Tampa last year. Um, speaking of, of, of great quarterbacks, uh, let's go to Brady. Uh, does he play next year? Just gut feel, yes or no? I think so. I mean, and I guess I'm using what he did on social media. Yeah, right. His, you know, the, the, you know, keep going kind of a deal. I mean, after the game, he said, you never know. And, and Tampa's got some tricky stuff to sort out too. Um, because a lot of guys came back last year. I think the, 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 again, that's where maybe making a, a decision based on the emotions of, Hey, we won, let's do it again. Everyone's like, yeah, all right. And then it, you don't, and you realize how difficult it is to try to, to win anything. And people, some, some people maybe after the way this year went, will say, you know what, I'm going to go get mine. And it, so you lose some pieces or whatever. Uh, my sense is he'll continue to play just because I think that's how he's wired. Um, I, but I, I want to stop this for one second, just but about Rogers. Just you're saying a lot of these losses weren't on him. Like this, this one of all of them is is, the, is lays at his feet. The defense held the team. The, the, the defense held the team to zero uh, zero touchdowns. Right. The, the defense didn't give up a touchdown. Yeah, that's what I'm and, saying. Uh, I'm this saying is the one that if you want to, that's like, right. You're you're the MVP. You were great all year. You get the ball back late, and you got Lazard wide open across the field. You know you, uh, he hits Lazard. They probably won the game, even as even as, as ordinary as Rogers was. I mean, they scored their touchdown the first drive of the game. They never scored another touchdown. So I mean, yeah, I thought that, the, that, I thought that the Lewis gotta, fumble. I thought the Lewis. Wear that one. Yeah, I thought the Lewis fumble on that second drive actually ends up being a big play. No, but what I'm saying is that. People that say, you know, his playoff record now is 12 and 10, and he's only got the one Super Bowl. And it's not like he, like Peyton Manning had many worse defeats in the postseason as a big time favorite at home than Aaron Rodgers. The, the game the other night, even though, you know, the special teams fucked up, whatever, you had the turnover early, but, but you can't score 10 points on offense and not have it fall at your feet. I'm just saying that's kind of the first one out of all of these. But but, but all these things fall under the umbrella of it's really difficult to win. And and, and that's why I think think makes somebody like Brady so interesting that I I think so often he's been great, so often he's made these heroic plays. But I think if you ask Brady, you know, he doesn't give a crap that that, game against the Rams in the Super Bowl was frankly as boring a game as you'll ever see because right. he got a ring and a parade out of it just the same. You know, who cares? Yeah. I, they I, had one throw to Gronk when I had to and we won the game. Like he doesn't give a crap like how it how it had to happen. Um but, but Aaron Rodgers has been brilliant at times in losses. You know, the Hail Mary in Arizona. You know, the the, 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 the um, onside kick that Seattle needed to recover to you know to, to end up, you know, the whole thing. Whatever. Um uh, last one. Actually, two more quick ones. What did this weekend say to those people that still believe that you don't need the elite quarterback? You don't need the franchise quarterback. Look at Ta- look at Jimmy Garoppolo, who's in the final four. Tannehill was a one seed. Um, you know wh- what do you what do you what do you say to those people? Well. I don't know. I don't know who those people are. I, I have a lot of them that call in. Really? I do. Well, I well, swear to you. Well, 
I don't know what world they live in. You can't you can't win in this league unless your quarterback's excellent. You can't. Or you or you or you can up until the point that you run into a team that has a good one and then you go home. Yeah. I mean, well, Garoppolo didn't. Understood, but I mean, as we just kind of laid out, there was a lot that look. San Francisco's defense was was brilliant. The the, the weather conspired. The special teams melted. I mean, they blocked mm-hmm. a kick, a punt, and an extra uh, and, excuse me, a punt and a field goal, uh, which I felt like was actually massive to to keep that game a one score game because just mentally you still stay sure. engaged. Down, but he also but was, he also started in a Super Bowl two years ago and almost won it. Right, and I've, I've resisted the, the push. Jimmy Garoppolo is the same guy that with a minute and a half and 88 yards and no timeouts no time against else. the Rams took, took him the length of the field in the blink of an eye. Um, and people don't talk about that because they drafted Trey Lance, and a, a lot of my cohorts and media were really excited because this guy who played one football game in two years at, at, at the Division Two essentially level was going to come in and unseat Garoppolo. And Shanahan told you after the Texans win where Lance started and played well in the second half, well, if Garoppolo with his broken finger can go next week, he's our guy. And he did. And then he was terrible in the first half, and then the second half was pretty good. Um, I'm not telling you he's Joe Montana. He's not. Uh, but I'm all, he's also not a bum um, the way that people, I think, often portray him. Um, and, and even as I try to not make excuses for him, but at least sort of, point out some of the things he's done he did spend much of sunday throwing outs that looked like they were gonna go the other way oh my god it was unbelievable it really was but 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 back but back to the question like you know your answer was well no you can't do it unless you have one of them and even though i would agree with you and it, it wasn't just the rams game 88 yards with no timeouts to keep them alive for the postseason he had an unbelievable drive to tie the game against the titans on that thursday night right before christmas he had an unbelievable drive in overtime to beat the Bengals after they fell behind he's done this before he's actually really delivered a lot in some clutch situations and he made two great throws the other night with the game on the line at 10-10 but we would both agree that he's not a franchise quarterback you know in the way right, we I'm would think saying, of one I'm not saying he is but but you can you can be just sort of a shrug your shoulders and he's a decent starter and acknowledge some of the things he's done without acting like he's a bum and I think that's what people do people just shake their head and say he's a bum and Again, if you want to make a mixtape of the bad throws, you could certainly put that one on there against Dallas, where he airmails it. And you're just you're waiting for that throw. I'll, I'll, sure, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not his, you know, the president of his fan club here. I just try to be no. But the point, the that. point is that the original question is, what do you say to those that will say if you build a really good team, really good defense, really good offensive line, really good running game? then you can win Super Bowls and you can compete for Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, or, or Nick Foles or Joe Flacco or whatever. I, I guess, let, let me, you've, you've answered it the way you wanted to answer it. Let me just say this. The bottom line is you can hit the inside straight. You can have a really good season like we've talked about. doesn't make you a great franchise. doesn't make you a great player. Um, and, but you're not going to build, you know, a five to seven to ten year where you are one of the teams that has a chance to win the Super Bowl year in and year out without one. I would say that a b, man, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and I like him too. I totally agree with you. He's not a bum. I just think that somewhere else, without being propped up by Kyle Shanahan and that run game and that scheme. 
I don't know that, you know, he'd still be playing, you know, other than a backup anywhere else. I think sometimes you get the benefit of being in the perfect spot. Sure. And, and, and he and, is. And, that's, well, and often that position is, is you're, you succeed or fail based on your situation, which is why I think the rookies, you know, they're like, I kept saying last year during the draft, we're, we're talking about a lot of guys that are going to terrible situations and, and how many of them are going to be any good. And we saw the answer this year. Uh, so I think we're, I think we're both saying some version of the same thing here. You know, you can, sure, you can, you can win games, but you, eventually you're going to run into the team that has a Mahomes or uh, an Allen or a Brady or, you know, maybe Burrow becomes that kind of guy. I think you're, you're starting to see that already in year two from him. Uh, he, maybe he's the guy that's a, that, that can carry teams. Who knows? You know, maybe Stafford is that, you know, he, he he wasn't for all those years because he played for the Detroit Lions. You know, you're only you, you can only overcome so much of your circumstance. And sure, Garoppolo is propped up by that. So I'm not telling you again. I'm not saying yeah. he's Montana. What did your What did so, your picks do this weekend? Uh, I I won the first two, and then I I took Tampa, and I don't know why I did. I I think I just thought I just assumed Brady would would figure something out. Then I had Buffalo. I just I don't I don't feel like I was wrong. I didn't win the pick, but uh, I just. <laughs> I just I you, you get to the end of that and just what do you I mean you shrug you just say well I mean all right that that bet didn't win went two and two oh oh and three so I gave out I gave out the two unders yesterday which both by the way were pretty much locked and done twenty seven thirteen even a touchdown twenty seven twenty you know as long as the Rams punt it I mean they're probably not going to score a touchdown with a minute left. You know, a minute 20 left and no timeouts, but Cam Akers fumbles. And then fourth and 13, if they don't throw the touchdown pass, that game stays under. And I gave out Tampa, too. The the three leans I gave out, I gave out the unders in the two Saturday games in Kansas City. And, of course, I didn't give them out officially. They all won. So 0-3, well, it's, it's just, been the nature of give, my year. Just bad Matt, but just, just luck. Give yourself credit for the leans because you're <laughs> no, the I can't. only person I can't. Sure you can, because the only person who cares what your record is is you. So just say you won. Um, well, I ended up personally breaking even for the weekend, although I did have Evansville yesterday. Did you have them? There you go. Against Illinois State, sure. Right side. <laughs> Hold on. Let's just real quickly talk about this for those Why? that will have, because I just think no it's – I think it's the the most hysterical thing I've seen. So Evansville yesterday was playing Illinois State. That's the Missouri Valley for you uh, people that don't understand. They played Illinois State on Friday night, and they lost by 38 points to Illinois State on Friday night. As a double-digit underdog, by the way, yesterday they were only a four-point underdog <laughs> against Illinois State. And I went to say, see, well, somebody obviously is injured. They have a bunch of COVID cases, right? Like they're, they're not fielding a real team. No one was injured for that game. And I was just like, this is, well, this is what you and I look for. Illinois hey, tell, State. Tell everybody who won the game on the floor. Illinois, Evansville won the game outright. 56 yep, to 53, and it was never really uh, in doubt um, in that game. I don't know how the I do, This is where you and I have never had long conversations about this one. We just go with it. I don't know how they know, but man, and I'm. It's not a heavily bet game. Illinois State Redbirds and the Evansville Purple Aces yesterday on a Sunday NFL playoff uh, uh, day, but my God, they suckered some people into Illinois State. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume so. And it, it, this is this is where 
you and I don't do any. There are people out there that you know they look at the numbers and they handicap. For, and I've said this forever. This for me, it's just like playing blackjack. Fourteen against a five, don't hit. Eight three against whatever, double down. You're just playing what the card tells you. That and you're looking at that 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 number just is like a siren going off. It says right over here, Mister Sheehan, Mister Van Pelt, right this way. We have the Evansville Aces for you. What do you think? Uh, that's the selection we would like to back. Thank you. That doesn't work all the time. Obviously no, not. It, no, obviously not. Did you see? Did you see what Al Michaels? Did you see what Al Michaels told Bob Costas the other night on this Costas show? I think it's on HBO about gambling. I, no, no. What he said. So he was, you know, to, asked about gambling and the proliferation of legalized sports betting, and you know, he basically made the same you know, um, speech, you know, that we've both made, um, and not necessarily that we want to come off as lecturing, but for the people that are getting into this for, for the first time, you know, it's, there's, there is a beware sign like this is all fun, but it's not so fun when you start to lose. And then you're like, wait a minute, I, I, I have all the data. I've got all the analytics. I should be able like Ted Leonsis, like I, I I've said for, for three years, he's either incredibly disingenuous or he's just so naive. But Michael said, quote, as much information as we have and collect and have access to and watch film and meet with the coaches and the quarterbacks, I have no idea who's going to win the game. And if I had to make my living betting, you'd find me living under a freeway overpass. I know that because you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. So I think this legalized gambling now around the country, it's kind of fun, but I hope that people, and then he basically goes on to say, I hope they understand that they're not going to win if they keep betting. But then he made the following comment. He said, I've never placed a bet before. He goes, I've never bet. I was always kind of the rascal, he called himself, about talking about gambling because it was really Al Michaels, Brent Musburger, and you. Um, And I, I, I mentioned that on radio this morning. It's like Brent, you know, Al Michaels, and then Scott, obviously, with his bad beats and talking about gambling going back basically 20 years on any show that he's ever been on, long before people really wanted or networks really wanted to hear a lot about gambling. But I don't believe him. I don't believe anybody that talked about point spreads and gambling <laughs> as much as he did or Brent did. They definitely gambled. Um, Come on. I, I, I just find it difficult to think that you would have never. I mean, although until until now, it wasn't as, as easy to do. You you know you needed to have a guy, and, and I, I mean it's hard to think that you that that someone wouldn't have a guy. Um, but maybe he, but you know what? Like a guy like, a guy like Mike Tirico, who's brilliant at, at what he does, always knows everything. So he good. knows the spread because he, because it's a data point. It's, it's something to keep in mind. And he knows it's something that the audience is aware of. I would say if, 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 if you, if Mike said, I've never bet, I'd believe him. Because I, I agree. I would, be, I believe that he, that, that he didn't. Um, and, it's because Al always did the wink and the nod. I think it was never the same as Musburger. I mean, Musburger and Musburger would say he didn't have action on games he called. And you're like Brent, Brent, Brent. <laughs> we're all friends here, man. Like it's no, we're in a safe space, man. No one's judging you. Come on. 
Come on, big fella. You know what the you know what the clue is though with Michaels on why he has well, bet is because he understands you can't win. Most people who haven't bet before but understand it a little bit, they don't understand the pitfalls of it. He understood it. He's he spelled it out. He said if you can't make a living betting, I hope the people that are doing this, you know, basically yeah. do it with some restraint and don't bet the mortgage on it. Like, so that's well, a guy right, that's that, taken that, some lumps. Well, <laughs> I, you know, if, hey, listen, if Al says he hasn't, then okay. I, 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 I understand your position. I'm just, I'm not here to cast aspersions about Al Michael's gambling past. I don't First blush. If he did, he did. If he did, he did. First blush, KC minus seven and the Rams minus three and a half. Um, Kansas City, San Francisco. So that, that's my first. My first thought is is, and if you're asking about the number, I just, I, it's, it, I'll probably end up having the Cincinnati and winners just because I assume that it's going to be hard to back them. So that that's, and then and then it'll be thirty-one ten, and I'll just be going, why why don't you just take the Chiefs? Uh, but it's hard for us to ever just have favorites at first blush, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, it is, it's, I, I hate betting favorites and I, I bet can't, I bet Kansas city yesterday. I'm surprised that you had Buffalo. I, I, I kind of felt like everybody was kind of thinking after, you know, their, their win last night that Buffalo was going to, I just loved Allen. I love, I loved yeah, Allen. Yeah. And I thought, I, I thought Allen was going to be exactly what he was. I just, I didn't bank him in 13 seconds, not being enough to yeah. stop. But I think Bur- but I think Burrow can with with Jamar Chase who is just fucking amazing. Like I I I am not so sure right now that Jamar Chase isn't the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. And I think Devontae Adams is phenomenal and I think Hopkins is and I think Tariq Hill with the ball in his hands is the most dangerous player, but Chase is incredible. And I I they're not I don't see them going in there and you know, sort of not being up to the occasion offensively. I just don't, I don't know as much as we've both lauded Burrow. And I agree. I think from a weapon standpoint, what, what Cincinnati's got is, is enough. It's, it's, can you, can you hang if it's, if, if what, yes, of what, uh, the, the chiefs require of you, like they did yesterday, like, can you do what Allen did? Because it feels like that's what you might need to do. Um, and I'm sure Bengals fans would hear this and just say, "Well, we beat him." You know, yeah, you did. You did. That was at your place, and it, and it wasn't, you know, this level of game. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it's, three, three weeks it's ago, Monday. Three weeks. I got ago, all week to figure it out. Three weeks ago, 705 passing yards and six touchdowns between the two of them, and then yesterday, Mahomes and Allen 707 and seven touchdowns. It's amazing, right? And, and so, so there's your, there's your answer of you know can can you know can the Bengals match them i mean they they, they beat them uh at their place it's, again it's just the game the game was an afc championship game and that's yeah, what ryan true. said last night he, he, ryan said ryan said he was more nervous and more emotional for afc championship game against baltimore than he was in the super bowl which i found really wait who said this ryan clark said he was what? more nervous more nervous in an afc championship game than he than he was in the super bowl mm, because felt, felt, be- felt more just, he just said that just the, the, the I, th- I think because it was of like you're playing you're playing against Baltimore, yeah. Um, and the, remember that I mean we talked about this often. That was the most physical football game I've ever seen in my life. Huh. Um, and I mean it was a 
different era, just in terms of how it was all sort of adjudicated. But I just I just found it interesting that he just talked about how just how much rep- understanding what was on the line that, that you had to win this to get to that game. Well, all of the you know all of the guys that you know I spend time with in broadcasting, you know Theismann, Jacoby, Rigo, Doc, you know all those guys. Every single one of them, to a man, have said a million times that the championship game against the Cowboys made the Super Bowl anticlimactic. You know, the Super Bowl win was, you know, th- but, there was no yeah, pressure at all. Yeah, but that's that, that's framed so differently than like Cincinnati and Kansas City. That that Kansas City doesn't represent the Cincinnati. No, no, no. no I'm I'm comparing it to Ryan Clark talking about the game against Baltimore. No, I, I, I hear you. I just yeah. I think that from 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 you know, and you have to be of a certain age to understand when Dallas Week was a thing and and what right. what that era was all about. But that that remains that remains from a football standpoint like the, the, that it, even more than beating the Dolphins. And, you know, when Riggin, when Rigo broke that fourth and one, I mean, certainly you go nuts. But that, that Dallas that Dallas Sunday forever will be uh, uh, its own thing, I think, for a lot of Washington fans. Wednesday. Which is interesting because I, I think it speaks to the same thing, uh, the same thing Ryan's talking about. You know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, that, the, that, that's, that's the biggest Ram. one for me as a fan, the win over the Cowboys in the NFC title game. But thirty. Wham Bam is the Redskins. Wasn't that the Super? Wasn't that the Sports Illustrated cover? Yeah, Wham with Bam Darryl, with Daryl Grant, Grant spiking the ball. Yeah. Um, God, isn't that wild? How you remember? Like, the, like, like we're a hundred years old, you know me. Like we're old. Sports people. Illustrated covers for three hundred, Alex. Well, just well, but like just what that felt like when you when you were a kid, you'd, you'd get home from school and you'd go to the mailbox and you couldn't wait to see who was on the cover. And after that, you knew it was going to be the Redskins. That's what they were called then. So I'm just using their name. Love uh, you knew it was going to be them beating the Cowboys, and and I mean there was nothing like that. Nothing better than Kathy Ireland on the cover of the swimsuit issue. Settle down. Um, Settle down. The uh, wait, you just reminded me. Oh, I was going to tell you that it, Wednesday is the at some at some point. I probably have to pick up my kids there. Were you going to talk for four hours? Like, what are we going to do here? I don't know. Maybe on Wednesday, it's the 30 year anniversary of the '91 Super Bowl win over Buffalo. It was January of '92. Most that should be your one big. That should be your one big big thing on Wednesday night. <clears throat> your one big thing should be this is the greatest Super Bowl team in Super. You know, uh, the DVOA metric on Football Outsiders has the '91 Skins as the greatest Super Bowl winner of all time. I think there's a USA Today thing that um, has them as the greatest Super Bowl winner of all time too. Most underappreciated great team ever. People don't ever acknowledge them, and and it's because. I don't know. We've had this conversation too. Just you win three Super Bowls in like a decade with three different quarterbacks. It's way harder to do than it is with with one. I mean, you didn't have you didn't have one sort of guy you just rode. You had three different people, and with Rippin, they just sort of ah yeah, they're, they're whatever they are. No, whatever they are, they beat the crap out of everybody. Thirty years ago, Kara and I, my wife now, we were dating at the time. I took her to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> we were in Minneapolis. And I think I've told you this story before. I forget if I've told it on the podcast. I'll, I, I swear to God, I'll wrap it up in 30 seconds. But the hotel we were staying at, Mike and the Mad Dog were doing their show from the lobby. I walked down in the lobby, and of course, I was big fans of theirs. This is long before I got back into broadcasting. And I'm listening to the show, and Madden comes on the show. I did tell this story when Madden passed away a few weeks ago. Anyway, the net of it was Madden, they asked Madden who he liked in the game. And I'll never forget it. He said, you know, I've spent time with both teams and I've called a lot of the Washington games. He said, I just have a feeling 
that Washington is the much better team and it's going to show itself on Sunday, that they're going to win and they're going to win big, which, by the way, usually you don't hear the broadcasters of the game say that. And he said that on Mike and the Mad Dogs radio show. And I remember we were Washington was a seven-point favorite, but people liked Buffalo. I mean, they were, you know, K-Gun and the, the offense that did Kelly and Reed and Thurman Thomas and the whole – and Madden just said, I think Washington's the much better team, and I don't know that this is going to be a close game. And it wasn't. It got kind of fake close there. They got a touchdown and an onside kick, didn't they? It was 37-10. Th- it, to 10. it finished 37-24. Yeah, it was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It got fake close in the end. Like it, yeah. it, it was, but they covered. Whatever. Yeah, they did because they were the much better team. They were. Okay, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, I think we've got some snow coming this weekend, so that'll keep us uh, interested all weekend long. What did, what did the what did the twelve G say? It's, it's it's good. It's it's excellent. I've been looking at it as we've been talking. Meantime, the stock market's getting absolutely crushed, so that's not good. Um, no, we're not. All right, I will I will talk to you <laughs> later. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll finish up the show with a few other things that happened from the weekend right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This final segment presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. If you get there to sign up and there's something already written in the promo code, erase it and write KevinDC and they'll double your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. Deposit $500, you will have 1000 to play with uh, here this week with basketball games and, of course, the championship games uh, this coming weekend. All right, let's finish up the show real quickly with just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Number one, the Wizards got absolutely throttled by the Celtics yesterday. Jason Tatum went for 51. That's three losses in a row for the Wizards at home. They're a game below 500. Bradley Beal called it the worst loss 
of the year for them. Uh, they get another home game, I think, against the Clippers tomorrow night, and then it's on the road for three, including a game against Memphis uh, on the road in John Morant. Secondly, um, Alex Ovechkin had two goals in the third period on Saturday at that forced overtime against Ottawa. They won the game on a Backstrom goal in overtime, but it was the 155th multi-goal game of Ovechkin's career. That puts him past Mario Lemieux on that list for third all-time. He's three short of Brett Hull for second all-time in multi-goal games. Um, He is still 34 multi-goal games short of the all-time leader in that category, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Also, those two goals push him to 759 for his career, fourth on the list still. Um, He's closing in on Yager, who's third on the list. He's seven short of Yager. Uh, I also wanted to mention that I thought Maryland had a really good win Friday night. I know Illinois, who was ranked 17th, didn't have their big man, Kofi Coburn, who is you know debatably, arguably the best big man in America. He had a concussion. Uh, Maryland took advantage of it. Dante Scott had the best game of his career. And really, other than the Michigan game last week, Maryland's had a, sh- a chance to win every single Big Ten game they have played. They're 2-6, and six, and in six of their losses, they They've had a lead in the second half in five of those six losses. They play at Rutgers tomorrow night. They led Rutgers by double digits at halftime last week and lost. Um, if you get a win there somehow, you're three and six with Indiana coming to town Saturday for what would be potentially maybe the first game this year that hasn't felt like this is an interim year. Uh, students would be back for that one as well. Lastly, I do want to mention um, that Denny McCarthy uh, in the golf over the weekend at La Quinta um, finished sixth. Uh, He ended up with a tied for sixth, 19 under, four shots, four shots behind Hudson Swafford. Denny, of course, we've had him on the podcast. We've had him on the radio show, a local. I know Denny's uncle. I know Denny's uh, father. I know Denny's cousins. I coached some of his much younger cousins in basketball. Um, but rooting for local PGA, now tour vet, really, Denny McCarthy, who you know won a cool $256,000 with a T6, uh, finish, uh, finished in the top six um, in the big event, the American Express event at La Quinta out, uh, out in Palm Springs. Um, a lot of us, and maybe some of you who are listening to the podcast, kind of follow Denny every weekend uh, when he is playing on the tour. Um, and that was a good weekend for him. All right, we are done for the day. Tomorrow, Tommy will be on with me. We'll talk more NFL playoffs, and we'll get more into Aaron Rodgers and the possibility that Washington could be in play. Somebody's got him you know, borderline top five on the list of potential destinations um, here in the offseason. Some of you, after that game Saturday night, wouldn't want them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's it for the day. Uh, Go check out my, yes, very tongue-in-cheek Twitter poll that I put out at Kevin Sheehan, D.C. when I asked uh, for the offseason priority And the choices were another wide receiver, a middle linebacker, a starting guard with offensive line depth, or other. Many of you took it very seriously. Um, After the quarterback display over the weekend, that was my effort to be sarcastic. Enjoy the rest of the day. Back tomorrow.